1: High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota!
2: Welcome to episode 137 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 137 strikeouts for Russ Ortiz in 2002. Uh, Let's move on from that.
3: Does that count the postseason?
2: Oh, God. There was no postseason that year, Andy. There was no postseason. It was canceled. Remember the strike? Oh, big news. It was big news.
3: 2002, no postseason play. Didn't happen. Scott Spezio... Only is known for being a great bass guitar player in the band Sandfrog. And that's all he's known for.
2: (laughs) How many Sandfrog albums do you have on vinyl? I have three.
3: Um, You have more than me. I will put it that way.
2: All right. Well, let's just forget about the Angels for a second. And we're going to talk about the Giants in their last game again. Oh, God. It's the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a good one. It wasn't a good one. It Boy. was, uh, it, yeah, the Giants are, are playing 0, like point uh, zero 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 baseball over their last one games. Is it time to panic?
3: That was awesome. That was kind of like you're slowly backing up like Homer Simpson into the bush, <laughs> except, except there's also a big hole with, like, palm fronds over it and you just fell right into it the Giants and the Angels yes you know I was impressed that they won the first game of their homestand because and Gabe Kapler mentioned this they came off a very emotional series against the Dodgers they, they won three of four there is a chance that you can have a little bit of a let up and we know that and we've talked about it the Giants didn't need to win that series they just need to not get steamrolled by the Dodgers and then beat the teams that they should beat and the Angels are kind of one of those teams And they came out and played a really good game, and they won uh, the first game. And then, you know, obviously end up splitting because Alex Wood just really didn't have it. And uh, they fell behind early, and and that was that. I mean, when you look at the rotation, and, and, you know, Kevin Gosman's battling a little hip thing. Alex Wood had a little bit of a blip. But Logan Webb's pitching better. It's all about if they can stay consistent from series to series as a rotation. I think they'll have a good chance to to keep winning series or or keep plugging along. Because right now, if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they're, what, an 88-win team? So avoiding those losing streaks i think that's that's probably going to be the key is it weird that
2: this is horrible analysis, which is my brand? But uh, like, I look at the Giants' ERAs from their starters now, and it makes sense to me now more than it did, and it makes me more comfortable. And I can't explain it. Like, Desclafani has a three point five six ERA, which makes sense to me. Alex Wood has a three point four eight ERA, which makes sense to me. When they had ERAs in like the ones and the twos, it was kind of like, oh, okay, okay, okay. When's this going to stop? When when is this gravy train going to go off of the tracks? And it sort of did, and yet the Giants are still fine. And now I look at the rotation. It's like Gossman is leading the way, and that's expected. And everyone else is doing pretty well, and there you go. That's the 2021 Giants, and that makes sense to me.
3: Yeah, I guess uh, you sort of look at the numbers, and you're like, oh, no, this is completely unsustainable. They're, the correction is coming. Uh, and if the correction comes, and, and they're still finding ways to win, then, yeah, thats I think that's a pretty good sign. But, you know, the other thing is, is health, and that's something we'll talk about with every team all year long. And now Mike Yastrzemski's got a little bit of a thumb sprain and Brandon Belt is still out. And and um, I don't know if we're ever going to see this team fully healthy all year long, but uh, they just have to avoid the um, the kind of epidemic of injuries. And, and right now they've got a lot of them. They do, and it's... One part of me wants to
2: pat them on the back for sort of seeing this and having depth at the ready, you know. They weren't sitting back there in January going, Ah, well as long as we get six hundred at bats from all these guys, we'll we'll be fine. No, they went out and they got a Stella, They made sure that they had movable pieces and and stuff like that, and it's good, you know, it, it's helping them right now, but it still feels like it's not enough. It's all it's it's Longoria down, it's Yastremsky down, it's once Solano's up, you've got Lestella down. It's just it's a brutal run of injuries, but are they better positioned than other teams? Are other teams just really scrambling and I'm not seeing it, or is this uh, hitting the Giants uh, as hard or harder than other teams?
3: I don't know. I, I wrote a line in, a, in a, a story a while back where I'm like, you can, you can sort of put a team at a disadvantage when you tie one arm behind their back, but if your team is an octopus, then hey, you still got seven arms, and only one arm is tied behind your back, so that's really an awful, awful line, but I guess the point of it was that The Giants have a lot of different complementary pieces and, you know, if they are super reliant on a Mookie Betts or on a, you know, Ronald Acuna, of course you'd rather have a player like that, but they're very much a team that, you know, their 8th and ninth and 10th best players on their roster are going to be better than what they face for most other teams. And so if you do lose some other pieces, then, you know, you have other guys who can even it out and they've got enough positional flexibility. To cover different positions. First base is, is obviously a, a challenge, uh, especially before they got uh, Wilmer Flores back, because uh, it seemed like they were on their fifth stringer. But yeah, they even found a way to, to, to cover that position. And, and Lamont Wade did some nice things for them when he got a chance to play. So Stephen Duggar's done some nice things when he's got a chance to play. The investment in depth has really made a difference.
2: When the Giants traded for Lamont Wade Jr., I saw that he had played a little bit of first base, and to me, that was kind of like, he also yodels, like, okay, that's great, but when is that ever going to come <laughs> right. up? You know, it's it, it's like, great, he plays first, but that's never going to come up. The Giants are just awash in first baseman, And then you have Belt go down, you have Ruff go down, you have Flores go down for a while. It is gnarly over there. It's, it's Spinal Tap drummer time. And the idea that he can play first base all of a sudden becomes enormous. Enormously valuable because you're not forced to throw floras out there against right-handers or tough right-handers, but also he's pretty good. Like, he's pretty, defensively, he's pretty okay out there, and that surprised the heck out of me, and he's become a sneaky, valuable
3: player. You know, until you listen to him really go through a rendition of The Lonely Goat Herd, uh, it, it's eye-opening. It really is. It really is. I, I think he must have some Swiss in his uh, family ancestry or, or Austrian or whatever the heck. Who, who yodels? Is that Switzerland? Is that Austria? Is it Liechtenstein?
2: There's a big rivalry there, so you can't just start throwing those countries uh, next to each other. They hate each other.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think Liechtenstein and Luxembourg probably hate each other because they keep getting confused for one another.
2: Oh, and today I just learned that they were different countries. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a yeah. good point. So, you know, the giant. And the other thing that this does with Wade is that, you know, Duggar is ascendant. You have Mike Talkman who has been scuffling a little bit throughout May, and he's trying to get a swing back, but the defense is always there. So it was never a given that you were going to hang on to Wade as, as long as he was hitting and, and, and hot because you had other left-handed outfielders. But now it's like you get to keep him. You get to keep Duggar both in the lineup while both are hitting well. And now with Jastrzemski out, you know, missing a couple of days, I would assume, you know the Giants have this depth beneath the depth and especially with the left-handed outfielders that feels like two seconds ago that they were just scrambling for left-handed outfielders oh who are we gonna do oh so, you know uh, some idiot on the athletic wrote about the Giants signing Jackie Bradley Jr and I hope that guy was fired <laughs> but like all of a sudden the Giants have more than enough left-handed outfielders it feels like
3: yeah, and we still haven't seen people like Jason Krizan that have been the minor leagues. We only saw Jason Fossler a little bit, and he he had a nice uh, uh, game to help them win at Arizona earlier on the road trip. I mean, you know, we talk about the Dodgers and taking, uh, you know, three or four there, but they, they went five and one on that road trip overall and uh, against the division teams. So, and a lot of people had a, had a hand in that. And yeah, there's there's still people at AAA we haven't seen. Are we going to see Justin Bohr at some time? Oh, please, please tell me
0: yes. Please tell me the <laughs> answer is yes.
3: So yeah, you know, there, there's still other pieces down there and a lot of pitching too we haven't seen yet. I mean Sam Long gets called up to A, and he strikes out the first eight batters he faces. I mean that's some Tom Seaver level stuff. I mean that, that's incredible. It's A batters but still you know so I, I, I still think there's going to be some people we haven't seen yet in the major league roster that are going to kind of arrive on the scene and, and, and make an impact and, and it's I, I think that we can almost assume that's going to happen because we've already seen so many uh, contributions from people we didn't really expect to get contributions from and uh, i think that that goes into coaching that goes into uh, scouting and evaluation yeah clearly they put a premium on making sure that they had like you said depth behind the depth
2: and i'm glad you brought up sam long because that, that that is just a fascinating turn of events but also because it helps me segue into the idea that throughout all of this the the problem is still the bullpen we've talked about the bullpen quite a bit it seems as if there are no easy answers yet. Like, we still, it's still a muddled, like, you don't know what you have in Matt Whistler yet. I mean, he's, he has innings where he looks dominant. He has innings where he looks like his DFA candidate. Uh, Jose Alvarez, same thing. You know, he, he's, he's out, he's strong. And then the next time he's out, he's getting hit around. So the Giants are trying Dominic Leone right now. Uh, Zach Littell, uh, I think, is is done fairly well, considering what they've thrown at him. Connor Menez is up. How long until we get to, we start seeing pitchers like sam long get added to the 40 man with guys getting removed or dfa'd like when do they start pushing different buttons because right now it seems like the same old same old buttons that they've been trying throughout
3: well zach littell spit out his bubble gum and it caught in his beard and then he walked by conor menez and their beards got tangled and now they're stuck together and there's just neither of them is going to be available unfortunately because of that so um Hey yeah, situation. It is. Uh, they they do have wonderful beards. Although you can tell that Menez uses a little more conditioner in his. I think he pays a <laughs> little more attention to it. Latell's kind of like I'm ZZ Top and, and Connor Menez is more like uh, he's more like the, you know, the gentleman the gentleman uh, barista in in Brooklyn who's going to make you your coffee. So Menez is
2: like an Instagram influencer beard. And Littell is like, you know, I've got a Finch living in here.
3: (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Found a material. I don't know. It it really is difficult to figure out. Like you said, the, the consistency hasn't been there. And... You know, fans are stewing over this because I, I was reading some of like the stories I wrote after they you know, won on the Sunday in L.A., beat Clayton Kershaw. Come on. The Giants had put up five runs against Clayton Kershaw and beat him. That never happens. They find Austin Slater and Mariso Dubon are two guys who actually can hit Clayton Kershaw. They had, what, Joaquin Arias, and that's it? For for more than a decade? So so this is all really exciting stuff. And I look in the comments, and I'm like, ah, bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. As soon as they took Gosman out, bullpen, bullpen bullpen what are they going to do come on Farhan it's like okay yes this this is an issue this is something they have to address either internally or externally but can't you enjoy that for just a second I mean it, it really did kind of surprise me that the level of consternation was was as high as it was
2: when the Giants really struggled with their bullpen in 2016 and I was at the time doing my McCovey Chronicles thing and writing off of every game and then I'd wake up and write five more articles about what happened the day before and so I got really intimately familiar with the idea of just a terrible bullpen and what that did to the psyche of fans And it's just there's no other way to put it but it's the worst way to lose a game because you have expectations for how a game is going you set yourself up mentally to enjoy like the, the past couple of hours and a Blown save retroactively rips that away and now you're in a terrible mood where if you have terrible starting pitching and you have a starter go out there and allow five runs in the first inning, your expectations are set. It's a lousy game and then you get to, you know, you get to go through the stages of grief when it's just ripped out from under you and you think about what would have been in the standings and you think about the Giants could have been three games up or the Giants could have done this. It's just a different feeling and it makes you question why you like this hideous goblin sport.
3: Yeah, it is. It's the most gut-wrenching way to lose is when the bullpen blows it. And we've seen a couple of epic meltdowns already this season. So yeah, I I get it from that point of view. And and I go back to 2016. And to be honest, the story of that second half was the bullpen, but they scored a full run fewer per game in the second half than they did in the first half. And I put a lot of that collapse on the offense too, because the bullpen needed to pitch with a little less leverage. And the offense really stepped back in the second half as well. And uh, so, you know, we, do, we tend not to, to focus on those things. And, and, and clearly, they didn't have the right combination of relievers, and there was no one that Bruce Bochy had confidence in by the end, which is kind of funny when you look back on it. I mean, Javier Lopez was still there. Sergio Romo was still there, and he's had a lot of good seasons since then. Will Smith was there, who obviously was, was really, really good after he had Tommy John. So, you know, they, they still had a, a lot of good relievers in that bullpen. There was just nobody who was pitching well. And, and poor Santiago Casilla got, like, I think he almost got publicly shamed out of being the closer. And Bruce Bochy, that was the one guy Bruce Bochy stayed away from in that final game against the Cubs. And and, and you wonder if it would have turned out differently if Bochy had, hadn't put him back on the mound. I, I think he was worried that he was going to get booed off the mound. So, anyway, you know. Focusing on 2016 is probably about as fun as focusing on on 2002, uh, a year in which the World Series was canceled. So maybe we should move on from that. But I guess the point is that even when you have relief crews that you feel good about, when it starts to go bad, it it does seem like it can be one of those kind of anti-contagious things where it just all of a sudden you can't really trust anyone.
1: We'll be right
2: back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You know, in 2016, I was doing a lot of writing about it, and Russell Carlton had a great piece. I don't even remember what year it's from, but he studied it for Baseball Perspectives and found that, like, no, there really is a cumulative effect where when the bullpen starts to struggle as a whole— walks start to go up you know pitchers start to nibble it's not just you know oh this is just one of those things and uh it's you can't tell who's you know that's that's just a myth that's just you know if you're a pure stat head you don't believe in that stuff he showed no 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 it's it's real like these are humans and they do have this cumulative throwing balls scared to throw strikes thing and i don't know maybe that maybe that's affecting the giants a little bit
1: yeah, it, it
3: could be. They liked the group that they put together. They felt that they made some good moves to address some of the shortcomings in their bullpen. They they definitely pivoted from hard throwers who didn't necessarily know where it was going, like Coonrod and Sean Anderson, to you know guys who could throw strikes and, and maybe could have stuff that, that fit into very, very tight windows, like a Jake McGee who just throws a fastball, or a Matt Whistler who just throws a slider. They felt that they had a good combination, and... Um, you know, it's uh, it probably hasn't worked out as well as they would have liked, but you know what? This bullpen also has not been super stressed because the rotation is is pitching as deep as any rotation in baseball. And that's one thing that's going to be interesting, I think, as we go forward, because we've seen how Gabe Kapler's been incredibly diligent and disciplined when it comes to workloads and not overextending uh, Buster Posey or some of the other hitters, uh, making sure that people have their load management, whatever. At the same time, the starting pitchers are throwing more pitches you know, per outing than anyone in, in the majors. So there may be a time where they have to step back from that a little bit. And uh, and if, if that's the case, then there's going to be even more exposure on this bullpen and they don't have a long guy they don't have a moda a petite that kind of guy who could step in and 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 kind of be a bridge so you wonder if that's something that they are going to really have to address at some point
2: now let me ask you if you are predicting the future and you've got uh you know you're holding the envelope to your head if the giants fix this and that's a big if if the giants get some uh more reliable relief are they going to do it in-house? Is, the, is it going to be a John Brebbia? Is it going to be a Sam Long? Is it going to be like a surprise Matt Frisbee or something like that? Or is it going to happen after the deadline and it's going to be a couple of minor trades, maybe one major trade? What's the the path that you see the Giants fixing this?
3: I would imagine a combination. I mean, maybe that may, that may, that may be a non-answer, but I mean, probably a little both, wouldn't you think?
2: Yeah, I think that's about right. I think with Brebbia, because he's got to come back. You know, he's on the 60-day IL, but he's already, uh, he's, I think, ahead of schedule because I was projecting him back a little bit later. But he's already thrown two innings in a rehab outing. Uh, He struck out three. They're two perfect innings. You know, he's still a little ways away. But eventually, he's going to have to come back and be added to that 40-man roster. And that, I think, will be the first step. You know, that will be whoever is struggling or still struggling then, they're going to have to make room for Brebbia whether it's a Whistler, Alvarez, or someone who's not on the active roster. So you start there, and then you start seeing, well, okay, is Latel still pitching well? Is Leone pitching as well as he did in AAA? And then you'll start to figure out how a Sam Long or maybe a Matt Frisbee or, you know, et cetera, fits in. And then you got to you gotta figure out, okay, is this a year that we go for it? Is this year we trade a top 10 prospect? Because that seems bananas at the same time. This team might justify, this my team might be good enough to justify that
3: yeah you know i i do think that they could potentially you know give up prospects in deals if they can get pieces that will help them now and into the future that have some club control i really have a hard time imagining that they're gonna trade prospects for rental players and there's so much in the minor league system there's so much that they have that they're banking on there and there's a lot of value that's kind of untapped. They're still trying to figure out what they have. You know, I, I think back to the, the trade that the White Sox made to give up Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields, and it just seems like the most, it's the most ridiculous trade ever in retrospect, right? But but the White Sox didn't know what they had. They just signed the kid. A lot of the people in the organization hadn't even seen him because he hadn't come to the U.S. yet. And, you know, I don't know if the Padres just got lucky or if it was the best bit of scouting ever. But there is a real danger to trading away prospects and young players that you don't have a lot of experience with. And whether it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i looking up uh, minor league box scores and I'm seeing names that I don't recognize. And I'm like, well, ooh, where's that guy from? Oh, the Giants signed him for 20000 as an undrafted player last year. Oh, okay. Well, they have no idea what they have in some of these players. So even the throw-in types, you know, you risk, uh, you risk getting burned. So I, I just... I imagine there's going to be a real reticence to trade, especially minor leaguers that they're still learning about. That's uh, the most important thing uh, I think Brian Sabian ever, ever taught me was the most important players that you need to know are your own players. And uh, even Brian Sabian, he gave up Francisco Liriano. So you're not going to be perfect, but I, I just, I really think that this front office is not going to part with young players, even if they're not the names that we sort of hear about all the time. I don't think they're going to part with them lightly.
2: I saw something online where a White Sox fan was a true galaxy brain, just an absolute true galaxy brain where he's talking about, look, if the White Sox don't acquire James Shields, then they don't blow up as quickly and they're not in the right place to acquire all of those prospects, the Giolito, the Kopec, the uh, Jan moncada like uh, their whole rebuild had to do with them blowing up in a very specific way at that very specific time. So actually getting James Shields was a master stroke and it made the White Sox even better (laughs) prepared for the future. And I applaud that. It was so genius. I was like, yes, that's the way to look at it if you're a White Sox fan.
3: Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you can't build until you uh, bring out the excavators, right? And you, you have to tear down. So I guess that was part of it.
2: I agree. with you. I, The Giants aren't going to be into uh, rentals. I mean, they're just not. But I, I also haven't done a lot of research to see what they would need for uh, or what's available for next year, a, a player under team control. That seems logical, but you have to really... Really love that player and really be convinced because last year you might have said the same thing about like uh, Matt Whistler, you know, oh, this guy, if he were under team control for 2021, you trade everything for Whistler, who's got this magic slider, you know, it didn't quite work out. So you have to, it just can't be a guy having a good year who is also under team control. It has to be someone who is just like, you can be convinced like, yes, 2022 is going to be exact same thing.
3: Yeah, and you know the the best reliever I think they can get is just someone who probably misses bats. To be honest, um, you know this is not a, a strikeout staff compared to the rest of baseball. Kevin Gossman aside, and if you can take everybody in that bullpen and move them back an inning and get somebody who can handle the ninth, then yeah, it's I think that's going to make everybody stronger. And maybe it's not so much a type of reliever they need. I don't feel like they need another right-hander or another left-hander. Uh, they just need somebody who can go out and, and, and put up an automatic zero and you just feel really confident is going to shut the door. So yeah, that's, that's probably what they're looking for. It's as simple as that.
2: All right. You know, I know you love this stuff. You absolutely love this stuff. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. But as of right now, this morning, we're recording this on Thursday morning. The Giants, according to baseball reference, 91.4% chance to make the postseason and a 9.3% chance to win the World Series. Your thoughts Mm. on these very specific scientific odds. 9.3%
3: chance to win the World Series. Hmm. I thought it was like 9.2, like a jerk. Boy, you know, when you think about it, I mean... They're really putting a lot of stock in that second wild card coming out of the uh, National League West, right? I mean, I think it's going to be really hard for that wild card. If the Giants hang in there and we know the Dodgers and Padres are good, then I do think that the, both wild cards are going to come out of the National League West. And um, maybe the Giants need to play a little better than 500 the rest of the way. I think they probably still need to get to 90 plus wins. But you know what? Th- this will be a good series coming up with the Cubs because this is exactly the kind of team that they are probably com- competing with. More than the Dodgers even, because if you assume that one of the Dodgers or Padres is probably going to go on a huge tear and win the division, and maybe I'm I'm doing a disservice to the Giants by making that assumption, but it's the other teams in the other division that might finish second. Those are going to be the teams the Giants need to finish ahead of. And the Cubs are, and the Cardinals have separated themselves a little bit in the NL Central. Uh, nobody has really separated themselves in the NL East. If they keep beating up on each other, then that'll be good. But right now, the Cubs are, are kind of the team that, that's right there nipping at the Giants for what would be a second wild card or nipping at you know all three teams in the NL West. So this will be a big series coming up, I think.
2: I think so too. In before the season when I was like pumping the brakes and I, we could see that the Giants had an interesting team and a roster that wasn't going to be boring, was going to perhaps win as many games as they lose, which is positive in Giants world these days. I always like pump the brakes by saying, okay, look, are the Giants better than one of these four teams? Are they better than the Padres, Dodgers, Braves or Mets, right? Because they would have to be better than one of those teams to even consider being a second wild card. And then once you, you figure that, then you have to factor in the whole NL central the other teams in the east and it just didn't seem that realistic but now that you're more than a third of the way through the season the braves are you know basically they're not they're much closer to like the rockies and diamondbacks than they are to the giants so the giants can feel pretty comfortable like yeah they're probably going to finish ahead of the braves and once you get to that level now you have to start worrying about the cardinals and the brewers and which of these teams is going to make a push but right now the giants are really really well positioned for any postseason spot, whether it's a wild card or even the division, look, that is way ahead of where they were supposed to be before the, the year started.
3: Yeah, they've got one bigger-ish trip left before the All-Star break where they go to Texas and Washington, D.C. But after that, you know, they've got two in Anaheim, they've got another series at Dodger Stadium and in Phoenix. I mean, the schedule is has been pretty favorable to them, I think, for most of this first half. And it, it doesn't seem like it's going to get super tough going through the All-Star break either. So if they can keep building on their momentum and, and enter their break even uh, a few more games above 500 than they are right now, then yeah, they'll be in a great position.
2: Alright, well, we are going to talk about one of our sponsors uh today, and it, it's it's Tops Project 70, and we're going to talk about it a little bit on the podcast because their latest Project 70 card, which is it's the series that they have celebrating their 7th anniversary, and they have all these different people coming in and making sorta of, I mean, for lack of a better term, like weirdo bizarro cards in the best possible way, and they just released a 2012 willie mays card right and it was designed by snoop dogg and if that doesn't pique your interest to at least check it out on <laughs> tops.com. it is Willie Mays in a Snoop Dogg shirt in front of the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, and you said off air that it looks like it's maybe the beginning of Full House. You know, you have the the painted ladies there behind him. And, you know, I can't put my f- finger on this card. I just know that it's different. This is, this is not your typical Willie Mays baseball card.
3: Yeah, he's wearing what looks like umpire slacks and the Snoop Dogg t-shirt. He's wearing the SF cap, and we know that normally Willie Mays likes to wear the G cap, which I think would have been oh. more appropriate because hey, nothing but a G thing. Um, oh. <laughs> but he likes to wear the G the G hat, you know. Uh, uh, because that sort of allows him to span, you know, both the New York and San Francisco eras. So I think they should have put that cap on him. But yeah, he's he's sort of like on the grass in front of the Painted Ladies, and you, 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 like Bob Saget's gonna run out and tackle him or throw a frisbee at him or something. The Golden Gate Bridge is back there. It's nice. It's a nice card. I, I like uh, I like Willie Mays. looks like he's ready to play catch with you. And um, all we're missing is just a little gin and juice. I
2: got to say, the way that you dropped that he should have been wearing the, the G cap reminded me of like, oh, so in episode 153, when Itchy is playing Scratchy's ribs like a xylophone, he hits the same, what is this, a magic xylophone? Like, I got those same vibes, like you were, <laughs> you were at the bottom of the Android's dungeon in The Simpsons.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm not really sure what to say to that, but, uh, yeah.
2: But he should have been wearing the G-cap. I agree. That's, that's, that's the classic Willie Mays. Come on, Snoop Talk. No, it is a cool card. Uh, I recommend that you check it out. All right. Well, this is going to be a very important series, like you said, against the Cubs. By the time we come back on Monday, I'm actually going out of town, and I'm not sure how much uh, I will be able to watch or listen to these games. So, It's going to be really interesting on Monday where I show up and it's like, uh, Andy, talk about the last uh, weekend of Giants baseball with detail. Go.
3: Yes. Did they win? Did they lose? Did they tie? Was it rained out? Were they all rained out?
2: Oh, all right well this uh, has been episode 137 of the bags and brisbee podcast and we come back on monday we'll all figure out who won all uh, over the weekend but it should be a, a heck of a series cubs giants uh we will talk about it on monday
1: thanks for listening nothing but a Tang.